Well, last week, uh, Skyler, Pastor Skyler, kicked off our new series, uh, which I am very excited about. The series is called The Gospel According to Pixar. And during the series, we're going to be uh, considering some of our favorite Pixar movies through the lens of faith, uh, through the eyes of Scripture. For 25 years, Pixar has been making award-winning, must-see movies. They have invented some of our world's uh, most memorable characters and become our generation's best storytellers. Now, I know that for many of you, this is a strange idea, maybe even a waste of time. Why would we waste any of our precious Sunday morning worship time uh, talking about Pixar movies? Churches where you study the Bible, right? Now, a lot of you are relatively new to Rooftop, and you thought Rooftop was a Bible study church, given that we just spent 10 months studying the Old Testament book of Isaiah. Well, we are a Bible study church, but uh, here at Rooftop, we take Jesus very seriously when he says that his people should be in the world but not of the world. That's a very simplistic summary of what Jesus says here. (laughs) Be in the world, but not of the world. To be in the world means to do stuff that normal people do. Uh, What do normal people do? Normal people watch movies. You watch movies, I watch movies, the world watches movies. To be of the world means to do it differently. So as Christians, we don't just want to watch movies, we want to watch them differently. So as we think about these movies, we're going to do it differently. We're going to ask some important questions. You know, what's Christian about this movie? What's not Christian about this movie? What's worth talking about? What's worth learning from? Just because something doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily labeled Christian doesn't mean that we have nothing to learn from it. Uh, all truth is God's truth. That's why Christians should read great literature, watch great film, listen to great music, even if it's not necessarily labeled Christian. In fact, one of the things that we're going to find when we engage the world is that God is in it, right? God is already out there. God is ahead of us. God is alive and well in the world, in movies, in books, in music. The story of the gospel, the story of God's love for the world is the oldest story around. Elements of the Christian story find their way into some of our favorite creative works as artists and writers tell their own stories and wrestle with the same forces and enemies and themes that we do. For 25 years, Pixar has been telling stories that borrow directly from the story of God in the world. All kinds of Pixar movies share themes with the uber story of the Bible. Wally, for example, is a story about two robots alone on a barren planet, searching for love in a world that has been destroyed by man's greed and depravity. Sound familiar? One of them is even named Eve. And there's a scene in Toy Story 3 that is about as Christian as anything I've seen other than the movies made by the God's Not Dead people. In the scene, Woody, Buzz, and the gang find themselves trapped in a trash incinerator, moving slowly towards a fiery destruction. They have no hope until the claw, a deus ex machina is the literary term, falls from the sky to rescue them. After they are saved uh, from the incinerator, they literally get hosed off so that they can return to their roles of service to their master. It is a not-so-thinly-veiled Christian allegory of judgment, rescue, baptism, and rebirth. The Christian story of God, sin, redemption, community, is the oldest story around. It inhabits so many of the stories we love, sometimes without even knowing it. That's why we love these stories, because they remind us of what is really true 
And they do it so well. Some of them do it better than the stories we tell. This is another reason we love Pixar. They create stories with an artistic and technological quality that is practically divine. We should have no problem admiring their work and calling it good. As Paul writes to the Ephesians, or the Philippians rather, uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, whatever, whatever, think about such things, whatever includes Pixar. Pixar gives us much to think about. Now, of course, this might not be your cup of tea, which is fine. I can respect that. You don't have to like everything we do here at Rooftop. I don't like everything we do here at Rooftop. But maybe there's somebody in your life who might be interested in this. Maybe they wouldn't be interested in Isaiah, but they'd be interested in a sermon series on on Pixar. Maybe we're not doing this necessarily for you. Maybe we're doing it for them. A radical notion, right? Doing something at church so the people who, (laughs) who don't come might be interested in coming. So that's what we're doing. This guy kicked us off with a great message last week on his favorite Pixar movie, The Incredibles. Next week, we're going to talk about an early classic, Finding Nemo. In fact, a lot of you have asked what what movies you're going to be doing. I'm just going to go ahead and put the schedule up on the website this week. But this morning, we're going to talk about the movie that kicked it all off, Toy Story and its sequels. So let's go ahead and start with this clip, which actually comes from Toy Story 2. <laughs> Woody, you're in danger here. We need to leave now. Al's selling you to a toy museum in Japan. I know. It's okay, Buzz. I actually want to go. What? Are you crazy? Look, the thing is, I'm a rare Sheriff Woody doll, and these guys are my Roundup gang. Woody, what are you talking about? What am I talking about? Woody's Roundup! Oh, it's this great old TV show, and I was the star. See, now look. Look. Look at me. See, that's me. This is weirding me out. Buzz, it was a national phenomenon. And there was all this merchandise that just got packed up. Oh, you should have seen it. There was a record player and a yo-yo. Buzz, I was a yo-yo. Was. Would he stop this nonsense and let's go? Ah, Buzz. I can't go. I can't abandon these guys. They need me to get into this museum. Without me, they'll go back into storage. Maybe forever. Woody, you're not a collector's item. You're a child's plaything. You are a toy! For how much longer? One more rip and Eddie's done with me. And what do I do then, Buzz, huh? You tell me. Somewhere in that pad of stuffing is a toy who taught me that life's only worth living if you're being loved by a kid. And I traveled all this way to rescue that toy because I believed him. Well, you wasted your time. Let's go, everyone. What about Woody? He's not coming with us. Well, Toy Story was Pixar's uh, first feature film and the first full-length animated movie ever made entirely by computers. It is a cinematic marvel. It's a beautiful movie that combines humor and heart with visionary graphic design. Uh, The story about how Toy Story got made is actually a testament to creativity and perseverance and hard work. I, I'm a, I love Pixar movies, but I actually love the company Pixar. Uh, the founder of Pixar, Ed Catmull, he worked tirelessly for three decades to build a company that would make computer animated movies. It was so hard, he nearly threw in the towel many, many times, but with the help of Steve Jobs, uh, George Lucas, creative partner John Lasseter, uh, Catmull's uh, vision finally became reality in 1995 with Toy Story, which set the gold standard for every Pixar movie to follow. 
The Toy Story franchise has earned over $3 billion. It is the 20th most lucrative movie franchise in history. The original movie resulted in three sequels, lots of shorts, theme parks. Uh, the, the series has earned four Oscars. It is, according to Rotten Tomatoes, the most critically acclaimed movie series of all time. It's got 100%, 100%, 99%, 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, you may or may not be glad to know that Pixar is planning a Toy Story prequel called Lightyear, starring Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear, pre-Andy's Room. Now, if you don't know, Toy Story is a movie about a group of anthropomorphic toys that belong to a little boy named Andy. In the first movie, their leader, Sheriff Woody, is challenged when a new toy is added to the bedroom. Buzz Lightyear from Star Command. Woody struggles with jealousy of being replaced. He tries to get rid of the competition. And then he has to rescue Buzz in order to be let back into Andy's bedroom. Along the way, Buzz and Woody embark on a journey of self-discovery and friendship. Now, what Pixar does so well, as you know, is tell stories that seem trivial but include plot lines and characters that are complex and emotionally resonant. And even though it's a movie series about child's toys, the Toy Story movies tell an important story that's not just about toys. What's it about? Well, it's a movie about many things. It's a movie about friendship. It's a movie about teamwork. It's a movie about growing up. But at its heart, at its emotional heart, Toy Story is a movie about purpose. What's the purpose of being a toy? What were they created for? What should they do? Who should they serve? This is the running theme through all four movies. What are toys created to do? And it's what creates the biggest conflict in the first movie. Uh, When Buzz Lightyear arrives on the scene upsetting the balance of the toys, he actually doesn't know who he is. He he actually thinks he's a space ranger who has crash-landed on his way to Sector 12. Buzz is deluded by his own grandiosity. Woody has to explain to him very slowly, no, you are a toy. Buzz is not a space ranger sent to save the galaxy from the evil emperor Zerg. He is a child's plaything. When he eventually comes to terms with this, he actually gets depressed and drunk at a child's tea party. (laughs) Until Woody shows him that there is actually tremendous joy in fulfilling your purpose as a toy. Interestingly, that plot line is reversed in Toy Story 2, which is the movie that includes the clip I just showed you. Woody is reunited with an original gang of toys to whom he belonged decades earlier, the Roundup Gang. Instead of returning to Andy's bedroom, he decides to fly off to a museum in Japan where he will live forever on display with his classic toy friends. Buzz has to remind him what Woody told him at first, you are a toy. There's nothing wrong being a toy. There's nothing better than playing with a kid. That's your purpose. So these movies are about purpose. As you can imagine, this is an important idea. And it's one of the reasons we like the movies. We like the movie because it's funny and heartwarming, but also because we all have questions about our purpose. Why were we created? What were we created to do? Who do we serve? We're all toys in the bedroom wondering what we're here to do. I mean, you, you might be sitting there this morning wondering the same question. Who am I? What did God create me to do? 
Some of us might even be deluded about our purpose. We are deluded, distracted by visions of grandiosity. We think we are something we're not. Or we know what our purpose is and we don't like it, so we'd rather just go get drunk at a child's tea party. The question of purpose is also a very prominent idea in the Bible. When God created man and woman in the Garden of Eden, the book of Genesis, he didn't just create them for the heck of it. Oh, what the heck, I'm going to create a, a species. He created Adam and Eve with a purpose. What was their purpose? Well, we read it in the book of Genesis. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living being. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care for it. The first couple had a purpose. Their purpose was to care for the garden, but not just as gardeners. Something more elevated than that is the story he has already said in chapter 1. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over. Rule over the fish of the sea and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So the first humans weren't created to be models, just to pose for Garden of Eden paintings. Their purpose was to rule the earth as stewards and servants to God, their creator. Now, of course, Adam and Eve, you know, they didn't much care for that purpose, did they? And they liked being rulers, but they actually wanted their autonomy. They didn't want to serve God. They didn't want to have to obey his rules. They didn't want to serve God. They wanted to be gods. They wanted to be spacemen, deluded by their own grandiosity. Sensing an opportunity, a serpent comes along and tempts the first man and woman into a tragic sin of disobedience. He lures them in with a promise. He says, if you eat from this tree in the garden, the one that, you know, the one that God explicitly said not to eat from, he says, this is what's going to happen. Your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. You can be a spaceman. What happened next is the tragedy of our planet as sin and disobedience compound to produce the world we live in, a world of violence and death. This happened because the original humans didn't like God's purpose for them. God created them to rule over creation under his leadership, and instead they wanted to set their own terms. They wanted to live in their own delusions. Uh, they wanted to be gods, not toys. What went wrong? Well, Adam and Eve failed to understand what these movies are about. They must not have seen them. They failed to understand that there is no greater joy or honor than serving the one to whom we belong. That's our purpose. That's what we were created to do. When we live according to our purpose, things go well for us. But when we live contrary to our purpose, things go off the rails. When we try to be gods, when we try to be spacemen, things go badly because we're not fulfilling our purpose. I mean, what would happen if you tried to brew coffee in a vacuum cleaner? Not going to work. Going to make a mess. Why? Because that's not what vacuum cleaners are for. What would happen if you tried to hit a baseball with a laptop computer? Bad things. Why? because that's not the purpose of a laptop computer. These items weren't meant for that purpose. Same with us. We have purpose. We weren't meant to be gods, to rule ourselves. We were meant to rule over creation as servants under God's leadership. Anything else just leads to misery on, light, on earth and in heaven. Anything else just leads to unnecessary sequels. We're living in the midst of an unnecessary sequel because we didn't want to live according to our purpose. 
This is a profound truth that I think the writers of Toy Story stumble their way into, but something that we read very clearly in the Bible and something we all need to think about. They stumble into this truth, the truth that true purpose is only found in serving the one who created us, who owns us, and who loves us. True service, that's that's right, that's God, that's right. True service is only found in serving the one who created us, who owns us, and who loves us. That's what the Bible says our purpose is, as toys in the universe of God's bedroom. And with the time I have left, I want to break this thought down a little bit. The true purpose is found only in serving the one who created us, the one who owns us, and the one who loves us. First off, true purpose is only found in serving. God created us to be servants, stewards here on earth. God gave us this earth. God is actively building his kingdom here upon this earth, and we are his servants to help him do that. As Paul writes in Ephesians, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to purpose, do good works. We weren't created just for ourselves. We were created to do good deeds for the sake of others in obedience to God to build up his kingdom here on earth. Toys remind us of this. Every toy created serves a purpose to serve a child. Every toy maker knows this. Every toy made was created to be played with and used with. That's their act of service. Every toy gift I've given my kids over the years was intended to serve them somehow. The stuffed animals were intended to be cuddled with. The magic sets were intended to be demonstrated. The video games were intended to be played with. In fact, I get sad when I give my kids a, a, a toy or, 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 a, or a book or, or something that they don't use. Uh, we've always been a, a sporty family. Uh, my boys grew up pretty sporty. Uh, so that when my daughter, when she started growing up behind them, uh, I gave her all kinds of st- sports equipment as gifts. Uh, I gave her soccer balls. I gave her baseball gloves. Very quickly, re- I realized uh, my daughter is, is not sporty Smurf. <laughs> Uh, she likes like clothes and, and makeup, which is great. You know, girls can like that kind of stuff too. <laughs> but now we have this small pile of little girl sporting equipment that sits in a box in the closet. It's so sad. When I turn off the lights, I can actually hear that little pink baseball glove talking to that <laughs> little pink soccer ball and cry that nobody plays with them anymore. Toys were made to be used. That's their act of service. So are we. We're not toys, of course. We're people, but we were created to serve. When we're not serving, we're not fulfilling our purpose. And just like there's nothing better than playing with a kid if you're a toy, there's nothing better when you're serving God. Skylar talked about this last week, right? There's nothing better than using your gifts in service to God to build up his kingdom. That's when we are most fulfilled and happiest, when we're using our gifts to serve God to build up his kingdom. And that's who we are to serve, right? God. True purpose is only found in serving the one who created us, the one who owns us, and the one who loves us. He's our kid. He owns the bedroom. Paul says that we are God's handiwork. What right do we have to do anything other than serve the one who created us? And not only did God create us, but God owns us. We are his toys. As the prophet Isaiah writes, Isaiah is never too far away, just to remind you. Isaiah is still there. As Isaiah writes, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, 
He who formed you. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you my name. You are mine. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to the one who owns us, the one who created us. Now, I know we might actually react against this idea of, of, uh, that somebody owns us, like there's some sort of property. I mean, we, we be- these days, we believe in you know, the importance of autonomy. No one's going to tell me what to do. No one owns me. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. From a bib- biblical perspective, absolutely not true. Heretical. We're owned by the God who created us. As Paul writes to the Cor- Corinthians, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but you are not your own. <laughs> You are not your own. You're not your own man. You're not your own woman. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God. He's the one who bought you. He's the one who owns you. Just so you know, the price God paid for us was kind of steep, right? I mean, we're we're not some dime store toy, are we? We're like collectibles. God, uh, God threw down some serious dough. And by dough, I mean like the life of his son so that we could be his. And now we are. But he purchased us not to abuse us or toss us away, but to use us for the good of the earth and to show us true life and freedom. And he marks us as his own. Uh, Just like Andy marks his toys as his own. How, How does it, maybe you've seen the movies, how does Andy mark his toys as his own? What does he do? He writes his name on the bottom of his toy's feet. Astute movie watchers have noticed that Andy's penmanship improves as he ages. <laughs> I mean, this is brilliant. I mean, these people are brilliant. Andy's letting the world know, or maybe more specifically, his little sister, that these toys are his toys. This toy is his toy. He uses it. He loves it. He will protect it. And he's going to look after them. And he's going to be there for them. Christians should have the same reassurance. We belong to God. His name's written on the bottom of our feet. As Jesus says, whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. If we've decided to follow Jesus, we belong to God. Since God created us, God owns us. We belong to him. Now, now of course, he hasn't actually written his name on the bottom of his feet, but, but he has marked us as his own. The Bible says he's marked us as his own. How has God marked us as his own? He's given us his spirit. He marked us with his spirit. As God's people, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us, empowering us to serve and live holy lives. That's what Paul says. When you believed, you are marked in him. You are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You know what a seal is? Like when you send a letter, you put a little bit of wax on the, the covering and then you put your seal in it. Like, this is my letter. This is my toy. The Holy Spirit marks us as belonging to God. And in a way, we do have God's name on us. I mean, what, what do we call ourselves? What do we call ourselves? We call ourselves Christians. To call yourself a Christian is basically have the name Jesus Christ written on the bottom of your feet, letting the world know, I'm not my own man, I'm not my own woman, I belong to somebody else. Our purpose is to serve the one who created us, the one who owns us, and also the one who loves us. Just as Andy loves his toys, God loves us. God loves us more deeply than Andy ever could. And God loves us with a sacrificial love, a love that would give up everything to have us. God loves us with an agape love. 
Uh, Not because we are inherently valuable, but because God's love gives us value. As John writes in the New Testament, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, that we should be called God's own toys. See what great love, agape love, the Father has lavished on us, and that is what we are. We are his kids. We are his toys. Like I said, the Greek word John uses there for love is the word agape. Maybe you know what agape is. It's a very special type of love in the Bible. It's a love that loves no matter what. It's a love that loves unconditionally. It's a love that gives value. It loves not because something is worth loving, but a love that gives value. In fact, one of my least favorite characters in the Toy Story franchise has the most to teach teach us in this regard. I'm talking, of course, about Forky. If you haven't seen Toy Story 4, bring up speed. Forky is a character from Toy Story 4. Now, I actually don't like Forky. Uh, I thought he was unnecessary, an unnecessary addition to the ensemble uh, and distracted from the storyline. But uh, if you can accept this, I actually think Forky is a deeply theological character. Now, hear me out. You see, Forky was created by a little girl named Bonnie. Bonnie's a creative child and creates Forky on the first day of kindergarten. She creates him out of items in the trash can. A spork, a pipe cleaner, craft stick, clay, and two differently sized googly eyes. Out of these bits of trash, Forky is created, and and, and Forky comes to life. Out of dust and ribs and trash, Forky comes to life. Now, now as a toy, uh, Forky is kind of pathetic, right? I mean, he's just so homemade. But Bonnie loves him. Why? Because God, Bonnie created him. Not because bon, Forky was much to look at. Not because Forky was expensive or valuable or, or had a high utility. Bonnie loved him because Bonnie created him. Forky doesn't get it. Uh, Bonnie actually takes Forky home and and cuddles with him and and plays with him, but Forky doesn't like it. What does Forky keep trying to do? If you've seen the movie, what does Forky keep trying to do? Crawl into the trash can. He keeps trying to crawl back into the trash can because that's what he thinks he is. He thinks he's trash. Well, he was trash, but Bonnie made him to be something else. Bonnie gave him purpose. Bonnie gave him a name and called him Forky. People, this is the love of God. God doesn't love us because we're that valuable. God doesn't love us because we're good at what we do. God loves us because he created us. God loves us because he decided to. We think we're trash. In so many ways, we think we're trash. And what do we keep trying to do? throw ourselves in the trash can because that's where we think we belong. How do we do this? We tell ourselves we're not worth it. We're not worth the effort. We tell ourselves we're too far gone for God to love us or for us to do anything meaningful in the world. We tell ourselves we're too lazy, we're too obese, we're too dumb, we're too trashy to belong to God. But that's not why God loves us. That has never been why God loves us. God loves us because he created us. And God loves us so much that even while we sinned against him in the garden with Adam and Eve, God didn't give up on us. God came to earth as a man. God came 
as a toy into the bedroom to die on a cross for our sins. God's not willing to give up on his creation. He created us. We might call ourselves trash, but God calls us something else. God calls us his children. As Paul writes in Romans, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were, you know, sporks in the trash can, Christ died for us. And how do we respond to this love? By knowing and fulfilling our purpose. By serving God, serving each other with our gifts, by understanding. You're not a spaceman. You're not a toy. You are a human being. Created in the image of God to build the kingdom with your gifts here on earth. Where do we serve? We serve wherever we're at. You can serve here at church. You were created to serve here at church. You can serve at Summerfest. You were created to serve at Summerfest. You can serve at home. Serve your kids. Serve your spouse. You can serve in your neighborhood. You can serve at work. You can serve your, your coworkers so well that you're the coworker everybody wants to work with. You were created by God in, the, in his image to serve. Build up the kingdom. Just like Woody will never be truly happy except by serving kids, you and I will never be truly happy except by serving God. We are his handiwork, created out of trash to do good deeds. Stop throwing yourself in the trash can and do what you were created to do. Now, I could end there while I'm ahead, uh, as I think I've made my point. But I want to risk it uh, by continuing to talk. Always risky, by the way. when you continue to talk. (laughs) I don't want to risk it by getting a little bit controversial, at least as controversial as Pixar will allow. Um, If you're a fan of the Toy Story franchise, uh, you know that one of the biggest debates among fans is on the merits of Toy Story 4. Uh, It came out during the summer of 2019. Uh, One of my favorite family memories is of my entire Herndon clan, all 24 of us, going to see Toy Story 4 on vacation and then arguing about it afterwards over Chicago-style pizza. We had some very, very strong opinions at the table that day. And I don't mean to be too dramatic, but honestly, it was one of my favorite final conversations with my son Mitchell before he got sick and died. So I don't want to ruin Toy Story 4 for you. But the movie raises the question of what life is like for toys after they have served their usefulness. Uh, Once Woody is discarded by his kid, what's next? Woody contemplates his future without having a kid to serve. Well, maybe he can be happy without a kid. Uh, Maybe he he can be happy riding off into the sunset with a strong porcelain woman at his side, liberating him from thinking of everybody but himself. He reconnects with an old flame who casts a different vision for his life. The possibility that he might be obsolete creates an existential crisis for Woody, who has to decide what his future might be if he doesn't have a kid to serve. You'll have to watch the movie to see what he decides. Now, when the movie came out, some critics thought that the film actually moved the storyline in an interesting direction. Some people thought it was just a money grab, trying to introduce characters to a new generation of fans so they could make more money. Uh, But some thought it it was just wrong. 
and that the storyline actually violated the, the premise of the characters, the premise of the stories, which is what I thought. You see, these movies are all about the idea that the very purpose of being a toy is to serve children. There's nothing beyond that. That's why toys were created. The problem is that over the course of three movies, we fell so in love with Woody, Buzz, and the gang that we couldn't imagine them ever getting forgotten about or thrown in the trash can. Nobody wants to think about that. Nobody wants to think about Woody in the trash can, including the writers, So the writers give Woody a chance to become his own man, free from kids like Andy or Bonnie or anybody else he might want to serve. They give him the chance to be free from the responsibility of serving children. But Toy Story has never been about that. Being a toy has never been about that. The purpose of toys is to serve kids. Now I get it. Everybody fears becoming obsolete. And I think that movie taps into that anxiety. We all have it. What do we do with ourselves once we've served our purpose? I know a lot of you are retired, or a lot of you are getting there. You're wondering what you're good for if you don't have a job to go to. My kids are slowly moving out of my life. What, good, what am I good for if they're not around in it? Some of us are slowing down physically. We can't do what we used to. And one way or another, we all If not now, eventually we'll have to ask that question. What's going to happen when nobody needs me? What's going to happen when nobody wants me anymore? What happens when I outlive my usefulness? Will I find myself dusty on a shelf, forgotten about, abandoned in a closet? Will someone have to box me up and drop me off at the back of the Goodwill store? Is that what my future is like? Hello, someone just dropped me off. That's a very real question. And I'm not talking about movies. I did a funeral for a lady here at Rooftop a few months ago. She was retired, she was lonely, didn't feel like she had much purpose in life anymore. So she took her life. Her neighbors found her on her porch, dead by gunshot wound, gun still in her hand. Didn't feel like she had a purpose. But in God's world, in God's kingdom, in God's story, we will never not have a purpose. The the Toy Story analogy actually fails us here. You see, unlike a child who grows up, God will never not want us. God will never lose interest. God will never box us up and drop us off at goodwill. We'll never fall apart so much that God can't stitch us up and put us back to use. He knows that we are happiest and most fulfilled by serving him and him alone. We'll never not have that chance. It's why he created us in the first place. In fact, just as the Bible starts... uh, In the book of Genesis, with an image of Adam and Eve happily serving their creator in the garden, the Bible ends with an image of God's people serving him forever in the temple of creation restored. The book of Revelation describes God's creation restored at the end of time, at the beginning of the rest of time, and it uses all sorts of imagery from the book of Genesis. You'll see what I mean. Uh, In the book of Revelation, John writes this. It says, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. 
On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him, because that's what we were created to do. They will see his face. His name will be written on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. This is our eternal future. A fruitful city in which we will serve God forever in joy and purpose. We will never have to wonder what to do without a kid to serve. We will never need to be liberated from the expectation that we were created only to serve God. We were created to know joy through serving God who created us, who owns us, who loves us. He marks us with a name on his forehead so everyone can see we are his and we are his forever. Maybe you don't have that sort of relationship with God yet. Maybe he hasn't written his name on your forehead or on the bottom of your feet or stamped you with a seal. Well, he wants to introduce himself to you this morning and he wants to own you as his. Not so he can take control of you, but so he can show you why he created you to do in the first place. And it's really easy to make yourself God's. Just tell him, I want to be yours. I don't want to be a spaceman anymore. I don't want to be deluded by my own grandiosity. I want to feel like I'm a piece of trash in the trash can. I don't fulfill your purpose for me. You tell that to God, he'll do something with it. You can do that real easy where you're at right now. You can just say, God, I, I, I don't want to be a spaceman. I don't want to be a piece of trash. I want to be everything you made me to be. You can come talk to me afterwards. You can let us know on your info card that God is available for you this morning and for all time. Mm-hmm.